Welcome to the Flower Hour Podcast, the podcast where conversations blossom. It is your boy, Sean Flores. If you love this podcast and you've really enjoyed it, please share, subscribe and follow and look forward to the journey we will be going on. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Well, hello, hello, and... A good evening to everybody. I'm so excited because I've got my next guest lined up, Algria de la Carta. So hopefully I can just get her to lock in. Where how do I do that? Do I how do I do it? Do I send a request? Let me do that now. Hello. Hello, hello, good evening. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. How about you? I'm okay. The crown, the crown's looking powerful. <laughs> thank you. Listen, I wish I could grow my hair like that, but unfortunately I cut it all off. But no, um I, I was gonna introduce you, but I think I'd rather let you introduce yourself to my audience here who um I've obviously put your stuff out there, but um I just wanted you to introduce yourself to everyone that's going to be tuning in. Okay, so obviously, do you want to do it now? Or... Yeah, yeah, go ahead, go okay. ahead. Obviously, I'm Allegria, as some of you already may know. And I'm 16, I'm from Manchester. And yeah, like, it's just me. Well, I, so I've seen from your page, because you and I, again, we've never met in person. I connected with you via Instagram because um, of what we're going to discuss later to do with your TikTok um what you suffered on TikTok via racism. Mm -hmm. But um, I know that you model and I know that um, you do a lot of black activism, which is something that a lot of young people nowadays have really, really and truly picked up. And I guess I want to start by finding out when did you start to become an activist and why has it become so important for you? Um, obviously... I always start my sentence in, obviously, sorry. So it was like last year, May, like last year, May, so like a year ago, I watched When They See Us and obviously I was 15 at the time. So I wasn't really aware of all the stuff that happens in America. Like all I knew, especially from being from the UK, was, um, you know, slavery and, you know, all the little, the little black history, but I didn't know, like, especially the stuff that goes on, you know, with the police brutality and the injustice. So when I watched When They See Us, it like, it, it stayed with me forever. Like, it was a thing where, whoa. It's like I woke up from this place. <laughs> the world is, like, okay. And after I watched Wendy Seals, it stayed on my mind. Like, I literally couldn't sleep. I was so creeped out. I did my research. Like, it was just research, research. Then I was just like, no, no, no. This isn't okay. This is so sad. This 14-year-old boy being in jail for 
pretty much all of his life coming out and you know it, it was just it was a cra it was crazy it was crazy and it's like that's really what got me into wanting to be an activist and from then that's when i looked into more like of the you know the tamir rice and the trayvon martin you know look looking into like um slavery on more of a in detail kind of thing so i was just doing lots and lots of research and i was like no this is this is my thing and this is what i want to speak about so yeah and it's interesting because i find that not many people have passion that i think probably you and i would agree that they should have because we, we yeah. when we think about police brutality you know we only think of america we only think of um you know, unfortunately, you have George Floyd. And only three days ago, you have Rayshard Brooks, who died, unfortunately, at the hands of another police officer. And again, he was only 27. And I think I wanted to ask, what is your relationship like? And would you ever trust, if there was a crime that was happening or something was happening to you, would you trust the police enough to deal with it efficiently? No, that's, I don't even need to... That's no, because, like, we look at all the things... It's like they don't want to. It's just how it's how it's made that's how the system is made so that you know they want us to die like they don't like us so why would we trust them and that kind of thing like i know not all not all police officers are bad but you know when you see enough you're not going to trust them yeah and i think it's unfortunate that i think as a community we have such a broken relationship with the police so much so that we wouldn't call them we wouldn't go to them in any way shape or form and i think the recent events have only strengthened that kind of idea. And I think, I wanted to know, what do you think about the unfortunate death of George Floyd? Because as I said, I saw you did a really powerful speech. And um, what was it like going to that march as well? Um, when I first saw George Floyd, the only thing that went, the first thing that came in my mind was again, again. I was like, again. Yeah. 2020 and police brutality is just in people's eyes and nobody wants to do anything about it so that's how i that's how i felt when i instantly saw the murder of george, george floyd and i didn't really look at the video like i didn't watch the whole eight minute video until later at night when i was with my friend and we was talking about it and that's when it like really hit me and i started i was literally crying my eyes out like i was like two o'clock in the morning and i went on live as well and i was like really like not even in the right frame of mind and i was like honestly so upset and so angry at the people that weren't posting the people that wasn't showing enough caring like they, it was just like whoa it was like i was just honestly really upset and how i felt when i was at the um the protest it was like i was it was it was a weird experience because i've never really like spoken about something that i'm really passionate about to so many people i only do it on my phone like you know my <laughs> phone it's more like a personal thing that like i'm talking to yeah. myself not really in front of people on my house like beating but i just got up there and i said what needed to be said like just all on the spot whatever wanted to come out it just came out but it was so scary because it's kind of like looking at all those people and they want to hear what i want to say yeah it was, it was scary and i think um you gave such an impassioned speech and when i put it on my page there were people that were like wow that's quite powerful so i think that's quite testament to what you put out there for people to feel the emotions that you really and truly felt. And I think, what do you think about the actual marches itself? Do you think that the marches have been really successful? And what would you like to see moving forward as a young person who very much wants to see the upliftment and the fulfillment of black people, not just in the UK, but worldwide? Um. When I saw the protests and the marching, I, I loved it. Like, it was, you know, everyone was probably like, well, yeah, let's go, let's go. But one thing that was, like, on the negative side, it was, like, a lot of people were like, why are people doing it in the UK? What's the UK got to do with it? And it's kind of like, this is our people. This is my people. Another, a black man's dad, that could have been my uncle, my dad, my cousin. Excuse me. We need to see each other as a nation of people, as a family. If someone dies in America, South Africa, Jamaica, we're going to come and we're going to stand and we're going to say something about it. And I was yeah. so, I was literally so, like, happy when I saw all of these black people united. You know, really wanting to make a change. That's one thing that I want to see for my future. I don't want my, you know, children to have to, protest about the same things that i have and my mom has had and you know my grandparents there needs to be a change and there has to like we're not moving forward until there is 
Yeah, and how do you see a change moving forward? Because some people believe that, unfortunately, what happened with George Floyd is going to turn into a moment and not a movement. So how do you think we could create a long-lasting movement to help prevent this happening again? I think uh, right now it's, it's still lasting. You know, like people have not just stopped talking about, you know, injustice that happens to people. Like, for example, the people who I follow are still posting Black Lives Matter, you know, the um, young girl that recently just died from what's Alua Tosin. Yes, I believe that young girl, so. That, that young girl, like, they're still, you know, people, and I, and, and I love to see because my, people my age are also getting angry. Like, people my age are waking up. People my age are saying, no, no, no. Like, this is, this is like a generation where there is not to be messed with. Like, we're not having it. Like, we, I think change will happen if our people, first of all, unite. And, like, it's about power, you know? The people at the top, it, we need our people at the top. We need our people in places like parliament. We need our people in places like near the president. I think change, realistically, is if we're actually near the people in power. Okay. That's how I think it's going to be change. That, but that is, like, obviously in a um, more systematic kind of way but i don't think there'll be any like dramatic change if the people at the top don't want don't actually want to listen to us you know you, like am i the only one that thinks sometimes that you know you can put people like you and i at the top and people like us in positions of power but they don't all necessarily hold the exact same views and sometimes their views are more detrimental to help in our community and i think what can be done about getting people that generally hold our views into positions of power so when i can think about it the only person i can think is for example someone like a carla i'm not sure if you recently saw oh, yeah, yeah, that man yeah yeah, yeah like recently i saw his live and people were asking him that why is he not into politics and he said he doesn't think politics is for him and um i just wanted to ask would you ever consider politics in this day and age? And if not, why not? Politics, I've never, I've never Im, 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 imagined myself being in a place where, you know, I hold some kind of, you know, power. Like I see my, my voice as my power, but personally, no, only because I'm more of like a creative person and politics is very like, you know, there's no way, like, I'm a, I'm a creative person, like, I express myself in different ways, I express myself with acting, you know, I want to be an actor, with posting, using my social media platform, if someone said, okay, we need you in um, Parliament tomorrow for you to do something, it'll be like, you know, it's nice, like, but I wouldn't know what to say, I wouldn't, you know, I know how I would feel, but, you know, there's a certain way you need to say stuff and how you, like, like say and like you know that color guy like the way he speaks is so like yeah like i don't think i could ever talk like that you know what i mean it's like i don't know i don't know i just mm -mm. so i'm a more creative person so and with your platform that you have um so i know that you know you share a lot of stuff and you use your platform for positive and obviously for us to be able to even have this conversation it means you've made yourself accessible and that you're willing to help and you're willing to have a conversation. And um, I wanted to ask you, in terms of other influencers, so I feel like there's sometimes is, even before the George Floyd and even with what's happening in Yemen, what's happening with Sukri Abdi and all these people happening now, there's a trend where people and influencers and so people on social media, they're just using it for clout. And how can you tell when people really care about the cause compared to when people are just doing it because it's trending, because it's a hashtag? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, for me, as well, I would never call myself an influencer because I just don't think that's, that's like who I am. Like, I feel like influencers, for example, you know, I follow a couple influencers and I see the type of things that they post and they're very, they're very similar to each other. You know, they're a business. They, they promote yeah. themselves. So what they promote themselves is you know because they that's their page like that's their account they have management to also tell them what to post and how, how to do it as well so i think you know in order for them not to get cancelled they do have to talk about it yeah but i don't think it's i wouldn't say it's not their duty but if they're not passionate about it 
I don't think we can really say, oh yeah, why don't you care enough? Why don't you care enough? Because we don't know how someone is feeling outside of Instagram. And because their life is so much in the, in the media and just out there and everyone watching what they're doing, it's kind of like, where, where, where's, your, where's your me time? You know, you don't know what I, like they could be doing, they could be giving um, donations and signing petitions, but because they don't show it and they're not saying it, it's like, they're not doing anything. But, yeah. you know, I feel like with influencers, I think the day is them, and if they don't want to talk about it as much, we can't really say you're not doing enough because at the end of the day, each to their own. Everyone has their own kind of life and how they want to put stuff across. Yeah, no, and that's a fair point. I think a lot of people think people don't care, and you made a good point that management sometimes stops them because at the end of the day, it is a business, and what else can be done with that? And I think my next question, it leads me on to my next question. So... You have the platform that is TikTok. And if you could explain to everyone that's watching now and everyone that will be watching, what happened to you on TikTok? And you can make it as long as you want <laughs> because I, that's how I found your page. I found your page via yeah, a lot of people what had happened. That, yeah. yeah, and when I saw it, I thought it represented the darkest parts of British society. So I want you to explain to people, could you tell us what happened? Okay, so once upon a time, okay. So, obviously, it's like, I'm an activist, so if I see something that I don't like, I'm going to talk about it. I don't care who's watching. I, I felt she, basically, this girl called Lacey, she made a video, and she was lip-syncing to the song, Brown Skin, Pretty Brown Eyes, and she pointed out herself, and it made me feel kind of uncomfortable because you like to be our skin colour when it's convenient to you. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't a thing where I called her out because I was bored, or I called her out because it's fun, or I called her out because it's going to get me more clout. No, I called her out because that's what I'm passionate about. And if other people don't want to speak on it, I will. You know, I'm here, you know, I'm, I'm going to do that for you. So I saw the video, I duetted it, and I put, you don't fit the criteria. And she doesn't, she's a, she's a Caucasian woman. Like, tan for me, I already see that as a no-no. I, I don't even think it should be a thing, but, you know, that's a conversation for a different time. So she she really made it, she, black, she was doing blackface. So I duetted it. And sis got a bit, you know, she got a bit angry. And, you know, she made a video, everyone's seen the video, calling me names, saying I need to go and pick cotton. All, like, disgusting and horrible things of, you know, a 16-year-old can ever hear. You know what I mean? For example, if I wasn't a 16-year-old who wasn't, like, who wasn't aware, or I'm, I, I duetted the video because it was fun, or I was a 16-year-old who was just like, you know, I've never really seen racism like that, I'm not educated, then I would have really hurt. Like, I would have, like, I'm not saying it didn't hurt, but it's like, it's okay, like, so she made the video and it, TikTok deleted it multiple times. Like TikTok tried to get rid of it, but I got it. Like I got it because I needed, people need to see what she said. It's disgusting, yeah. you know. TikTok can't be allowing videos like that. It shouldn't even be, you know, long enough for 10 minutes. Like it was up there for quite a while for people to see. So it, TikTok kept taking it down. She made another video. TikTok took it down. She made another video. So then I duetted it. And I was saying, um, you know, I didn't, I think, in the moment, I was thinking of how should I react to this? How am I going to make an example of her but not make myself look like I'm just an angry black girl? Yeah. So I looked at the video and I was like, do you know what? I'm just going to laugh. Because that's probably what my mum would do as well. I said, I told my sister, I was like, do you know what? I'm just going to laugh. I'm going to laugh because she's making a fool out of herself, not me. So I laughed. And, you know, you know you've seen the video of me, like, taking out some of the words yeah. she said. And, you know, even she used it. And... And I think the worst, the worst part of the video that that really hit me is that she spoke about me, like she spoke about me, my hair, my pants, etc. Then she started talking about my people. She started talking about black people. Now that's a completely different. Like you just took it way out of line. Like there's a there's a line and you literally crossed it. You're not even talking about me anymore. You're talking about every single black person. Do you know what I mean? You've heard so many black people. So many black people seen that video and they were like, and even non-black people, they were like what the like so when she used like even the picture of the slave you know you see that picture of the slave getting whipped at the end i was like yeah how can you search that up screenshot it and still think it's okay and not even feel a type of way like you have no heart no human being that actually has a heart would do that kind of you know rubbish so i duetted it i posted it and it just blew like i didn't even expect it to you know 
blow like it blew so many people got a hold of it it went on twitter it got a million views and then tiktok had to take it down you know of but course. so many people already saw it so many people were aware of it and so many people wanted to talk to me like are you okay are you all right and i was i was i was literally fine like when she said all those nasty things it didn't really trigger anything i don't know why it's like i didn't even feel anything at all people were like are you okay oh what she said to you was horrible and then you know there was the odd you know oh you deserve it yeah you know the trolls like you just want to stir some yeah. And she even called, like, she called me on Instagram. And she's like, can you take down the video, please? Can you take down the video, please? I'm calling the police. I'm like, baby girl, I'm calling the police on you because you just did a hate crime. Yeah. And then schools got involved. And, you know, Twitter did that thing because Twitter, when they get a hold of someone who's racist, they ain't, they ain't here to play. And then, um, you know, people were saying this, people were coming there, there, there. And I just, my followers, the next day I woke up and I was in 10K and I was like, whoa i mean i already had a lot of followers so it's not like i got clout on it off it or anything yeah it's kind of like now i have this platform i'm gonna use it for good now that people have seen racism this is this is something that i've already speak on so it's kind of like more people can engage with my page in a way so she made the video and you know it was later on the day it was later on the day when i actually fully understood what happened and it really like affected me and i was like wow like i actually experienced racism firsthand like whoa and then she kind of just wiped herself off the face of the earth i don't even know where she went i don't know where she went i don't know even if and then the police got involved i think i saw on twitter they were like oh we need to investigate and i've just thought to myself investigate what is right there in front of you she's being raised it's not like they don't have anything to investigate it's because you don't want to and you don't care you simply do not give a shit like there's a like how can hate crime, hate crime be a thing, but when someone is doing it, no one's doing anything about it. So, yeah, so a lot of people wanted to speak to me about it and ask if I was okay, if I was okay, if I was okay. I was like, I'm fine. Just me, I'm okay. Like, as an activist, if you want to call out people who are racist, expect that there's going to be something coming, you know, on the other side. So that happened and, you know, moving forward, you know, I just continued speaking on racism and injustice and, yeah. So what happened on TikTok made you stronger and has continued to solidify your fight against racism. And I, from my own research, I've seen that TikTok um, censors like a lot of black creatives and so on. I'm not sure if you've seen anything like that. So I'm really surprised how your experience made you stronger, but there's other creatives out there who they would have been scared off TikTok completely. So I want to know what would be your advice to those creators right now who are thinking, I don't want to have to go through that racism. I don't want to have to go through that trolling. What would be your advice to them? My advice to them would probably be, like, you just have to be, I don't know if this sounds like cliche, but you have to be real. Like, even if you're sad and even if it has affected you, you should still show your emotion. You should still show how racism can actually affect someone because i don't think a lot of people actually understand how racism can really do to someone like it could affect your mental health because the things that she said about me like whoa she's talked she was using stereotypes about dads like if you even have a dad like you don't know me like you know what i mean my dad could have passed away like yeah. my dad could have you know what i mean it could have really like made me feel so rubbish but my advice would honestly be just be real like even if you're upset even if you're sad show people how you feel and keep going because the fight isn't over this racism fight it will never be over and if you're just one less soldier what about all the other people as well you know because there's probably been more people that have even you know experienced racism firsthand right in front of their face and you know i just you just have to keep on going was that the very first time you've experienced racism altogether or have you experienced it before you see i'm 16 so yeah i don't i've never really like experienced racism on that kind of level you know there's been colorism you know i've experienced colorism but colorism is a completely different issue like colorism in a way where like you know someone said oh you're light skin and how are you not that pre that kind of thing that's a story for a different day but um, I've never experienced racism like like that, like that, you know. That was really like raw, like whoa. Someone really came for me like that. It was kind of like that. So that was your first explicit experience of racism and I can only imagine how much that must have been a shock to you as you've already said and how it strengthened your resolve and what you're gonna continue to do for the community. Um, and I think, you know, 
like yourself, people have always commented on like my skin tone and um, both my parents are from the Caribbean. It's just, I'm quite light, but I'm nice because I've got a tan. And if you want to go into it, you can talk about colorism because it's a branch of racism that I think we talk about often, but sometimes when you hear per people's personal stories in, like, in relative, some, relative to colorism, it helps to make more sense. So if you want to talk about colorism, you can, because I'm more than happy to listen. I'm sure the people watching would be too. Um, I think with colorism, of course, it affects dark skin women and men way more than it probably affects you and I like colorism like even in the media and entertainment and acting is a horrible 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 thing and you know light skins do get dragged for it as well because it's like it, they kind of, we kind of like get the blame for it as if you know you know we done something or it's our fault and you know I think colorism is such a sad 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 thing like how like you own this it's it's, it's self-hate in your own community and like you being praised because you're light-skinned and you know you have nice hair i'm telling you whenever i see a dark-skinned woman i say wow because you just look at them and you just think wow like these are queens and i don't know how they're the most disrespected people on this earth but i'm sorry i could treat you know i'm joking but um i think there is a thing called, there is light skin uh, privilege. We have privilege of being light skinned. We'll probably get more opportunities for simply being light skins. And, you know, we're seen as, you know, we're, we're black enough. Uh, we're just black enough. But I consider myself a black woman. And with the colorism thing, it's like, how can you say that you're just a black woman when you're completely disregarding your other side? I'm like, no, because you can't self-identify me you cannot identify who i am you don't know me there's a reason why i call myself a black woman but that's not your business anyway i have a black woman two black sisters so if anything i'm probably more black than you Do you know what i mean it's kind of a thing where being light-skinned or mixed race it's like where do i even belong when if i go on this side it's uncomfortable here and if i go on this side and i know there's a lot of like a lot of people have experienced this but i don't really like like talking about the colorism thing because it's kind of unfair for me to talk about something that I actually benefit from. So if anything, I think all that us light skin can really do is com continue to uplift dark skin people and recognize the privilege that we have and taking things forward. And you know, men stop calling out, you know, dark skin women and you know, just do better in our community. I just think that I don't really see a lot of dark skins really talk about colorism. I see more light skins talk about them, but they don't really talk about the privilege side. They talk about they, the things that they've experienced saying that, oh, you know, when I was growing up, I couldn't do this and I wasn't black enough. And people said, no, 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 it, it's really not about you though. It's not about what you experienced because what you experienced is probably like, you know, when, when I went to high school, like when I went to high school, I'm still in high school, but <laughs> like when I was in like year seven and eight, there was a thing where being light skin was like, wow you're like wow like like there's a title like queen light skin and light skin you know people have instagram names as if like light e j or light e like it's a personality trait like i don't understand like we know that you're light skin do you know what i mean like why is a skin like why like for example why is skin a preference like it's an actual like you know i prefer light skins it's a skin color like whoa that's that that to me is like i would never let anyone say oh yeah you're so bright you're light skin i would i would feel like so disgusted like it's a fetish yeah it's weird yeah and and i actually wanted to ask you about that because personally so from what i've seen and this is just my observation i think what's the march has been great and everything has been great and i've noticed now personally again this is from my own subjective experience so this is not me um throwing it out there for everyone i've noticed a lot more mixed race individuals now are fighting even more for the black side due to the injustice that's happened with george floyd and so on and i wanted to ask you you know being mixed race as you said is self-identity is self-identity someone can't tell you that you're you know, you're black or you're white, or if you say you're black, you're negating your white side. So how do you combat those kind of arguments from people when they're constantly asking you or trying to help you see somehow that you're not black, you're not white, but you're mixed race and you should either be one or the other or you can't be mixed race? It's, it's knowing who you are, first of all. Like, it's like, 
no one can tell you who you are at the end of the day it's really not about the outside it's about you but you know i've, I've had it before like even going to like i'm congolese so even going to like african parties it's like it's like you know people are looking at you like people are staring at you oh look at that that's a like like let me tell you i'm not even trying to move off the question but i've been to congo before i've been to congo and i went to the yeah. like i went to congo i've been to africa and the way me being light-skinned is so glorified it's yeah. absolutely disgusting like people will run like people will run and be like wow so it's kind of like i feel like a lot of people will let, like let that get to their head like oh yeah you know I'm like, like, you know, everyone loves me because I'm light-skinned. And I don't think that should be the way anyone ever thinks. But I am a black woman, you know, and no one can ever say to me, you're not, because I will simply just laugh in your face. I will laugh in your face. And my mom has always ingrained that in my head anyway, that I am black. Do you know what I mean? So okay. it's always been, you know, me, like, I am a black woman, you know. I know how to speak my, my mother's language. I eat congolese food like i dance to, you know what i mean i i am like i don't know it's weird like if anyone tried to go to me say that i'm i'm what i feel like people don't even sometimes recognize that i'm actually mixed race people just think that i'm light-skinned like oh, you know yeah think like because i think that i just look like a like a black woman like i don't i don't know I don't... so you're really and i think we both i think I only speak a tiny bit of French, but you speak French, right? Like, you speak it all. I wish I could learn a little bit more French. Um, but, so you identify really strongly, you know, so as you said, you said you're black. You identify even more so with that side. You're really in touch with your culture, being Congolese as well. And there's going to be a lot of people that will watch this and probably question, how do I get more in touch with my, you know, whether it be an African or a Caribbean side, what would you say to them if they're feeling like if I get too in touch with my black side, I'm leaving out my white side. And if I get too much in touch with my white side, I'm getting too much. I'm leaving out my black side. If, if it, could you tell, is there anything that you could say to them to be like, you shouldn't have to worry effectively? Mm -hmm. I think if you grow up with one side, like for example, I've, I've always grown up with my black mom, you know, she's, She's African, so... Oh, so it, your mum's black? Okay. Yeah. What? You know, it's so crazy. Everyone thinks that my mum is a white woman. I, this is not even the first time someone said this to me before. I'm not... Wow. But I think that's probably my own stereotype because typically with a lot of my Congolese friends, it's always been their dad's black, but their mum's white. So I'm really surprised to hear that. No, but it's refreshing at the Congolese. same time. Pardon? It's, it's really refreshing at the same time coming from what I, I've... I had the same question, like, literally the other day, and I'm not even, like, exaggerating at all. Someone said, whoa, your mum's black. I said... <laughs> my surname is De La Carta. Like, connect the dots. Like, it's my dad's surname, you know? My oh, wow, yeah. A completely different thing if, I, if my dad was Congolese. But anyway, um, what was the... Oh, yeah. How can you tell someone how to... Um, Okay, so yeah, my mum's a black woman. I've always grown up with my mum. And I think the thing about mixed race people, because we're most of the time identified as just black, we have to be in touch with that black side. I think it's really mm. hard growing up with just, I'm not even completely disregarding, you know, Caucasian people, or if you're, if you're more closer to your Caucasian side, I'm not completely disregarding it. But in society, we are seen as more black than white. So you have to be in tune with that side. I think, I think it's just, a must-have, like, you know, no disrespect to anyone who isn't in tune, like, that's completely fine, but I think mixed-race people have to have some kind of connection to their, to their black side, because this, in this society, we are, we are, you know, identified as black people, like, no one's gonna look at me and be like, you're white, because, do you know what I mean? Like, no, I'm clearly yeah. not. Like, I think it's more difficult when you're, closer to one side whether it's you're close to a white side or your black side but i think it's your duty as an individual to learn about both sides like i learn about my italian side like i can speak a bit of italian like i know you know my own culture do you know what i mean but if i want to be more close and in, in tune in my congolese side and that's fine as well like no one's gonna you know there's nothing wrong with that yeah and i think so you you know you identify as really culturally black and um 
as you said, you know, your mum being black, you've had certain experiences that I suppose other people won't be able to have. And again, from my own sub subjective experience of other people, I found when a white mother raises a mixed race child, a lot of the mixed race child ends up losing out on that cultural experience unless they're exposed to the black side of the family. And there's going to be, there's people that have grown up in really rural areas. So I'm going to assume you grew up in Manchester, right? And you, um, you've been to Congo. Have you been to Italy as well? Mm -mm. Would you like to go to Italy eventually? Mm -hmm. yeah. So you went to Congo and, you know, you go to Congolese parties. And I've got a few Congolese friends. I have another friend who's half Congolese as well. And um, we went to a Congolese party and he <laughs> said he felt a bit out of place because he he didn't really feel in touch with his culture and um i remember my advice was to him you know it's really important for you to get in touch with your culture you know but unfortunately no um it's not his fault his dad is not in his life which is quite sad and um yeah and a lot of fathers do their children an injustice by not being in that mixed race child's life so has there ever been a point in your life where you felt loss per se culturally at all Pardon? have you ever felt lost culturally have you ever felt like um yeah. obviously with me um this is not like oh my god like don't worry about it it's not something that i like um cry about but i've never met my dad i've never met my dad so i don't really know what it's like to be around white people all the time will be around you know that italian side so but i'd still say that i am connected to it because i try and learn about it i just think that i, I completely forgot what the question was again sorry what was the question so my, my question was have you ever felt lost culture oh yeah. yeah so you know sometimes when you're around a lot of congolese people and you're the only you know mixed race person in the room it can kind of get awkward because it's like you don't, they don't see you as Congolese enough. Like, Ooh. you know what I mean? Oh, you can speak Lingala. Wow. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? And it's kind of like, you know, you kind of get this kind of like, this, this kind of crown on your head for, you know, being able to be Congolese and speak Lingala. Do you know what I mean? And, you know, people identify me as, you know, um, that the mixed race Congolese girl, the mixed race Congolese girl, because my mum is quite known in Manchester. So it's like, oh yeah, the, the, mom, the mom with the mixed race child, like, why am I like being spoken about about the color of my skin? It's a bit, it's a bit weird, but you know, I have a lot of Congolese friends and I have Congolese cousins, everyone, but they don't really see me as an outsider. So that's a, that's a, you know, a plus one for me because I'll never be around my Congolese family and feel, mm, you know what I mean? But on the outside world of going to Congolese parties, when people see me, they're like, and it's kind of like, let me just keep my head down. And I just feel like sometimes there's some things that I actually can't do. Like if I'm at a Congolese party and I hear a song that I like, the way people could just get up there and start dancing, I don't feel like I could. Yeah. So I'm stare I would be so stare like, oh my, wow. And it's kind of like, you know, I, I want to dance as well. Like I want to be able to be open with my culture as well. But it sometimes feels like I, I can't because of the way I look and I, I'm mixed with like, oh, she's white anyway, like she's white. Do you know what I mean? You, you literally, um, you're, you're close with your black side and your Congolese side and I'm still seen as a white, like I'm white, like, do you know what I mean? It's like, oh yeah, she's white. Oh, the one with the white daughter. Excuse me. I'm like, what? It's like... So it's almost as if no matter what, you know, you can be raised Congolese, um, culturally Congolese, you can have a black mom, she can take you to all these events. But it's almost as if you'll never be... Do you ever feel like you won't ever be black enough for the community? Is that is that ever a feeling that comes across? I feel like when I'm there, yes, like, that's the feeling. But when I'm at home, I know that I, I am... I identify myself as a black woman and nothing's going to change. Nothing will ever change. I mean, it's sad having to, you know, feel like, you know, people are staring at you simply because you're in a place where there's full, a lot of fully Congolese people and you're kind of like the odd one out. So that, that's obviously sad because, you know, people are going to be like, they've never seen a mixed race person before. But at the same time, I know that when I'm in the comfort of my own home, you know, my sisters and my mum don't walk around looking at me like I'm a weirdo. They just know that I'm a black woman. And I think it's, I'm really empowered speaking to someone that, you know, you know who you are. You know, I think it was the Nation of Islam, Elijah Muhammad said, know thyself. And you evidently know who you are. 
And there's unfortunately going to be people who are going to constantly feel like they're in a space where, oh, I don't want to be here and I don't want to be there. And I think it's power to you that you're so strong in who you are. And I want to say that's a really big respect. Thank you, thank you. And I think, I, I, do, you know what it, do you know what it is? Again, it's an experience I can't really relate to. The only experience I can relate to is when I grew up, um, so I grew up in London, of course, and I went back to Trinidad every year. And as people look like me, you know, dark skin, light skin. And I remember I went to Devon and it was a mainly white area. We just went on a holiday. I remember I said to my mum, you know, mum, I'm like, mum, I'm like, I'm not black, you know, I'm like, my skin tone is not exactly black. There's nothing, I'm not black like cement, mum. I was like, I'm brown. And I remember I swore to my mum I was brown. And obviously growing up, I got it that we're politically black. And I wanted to ask you, what does it mean to be black? right now in this space of time? It's lit. <laughs> I think being black is something to really be proud of. And it's like, we have a story, you know? It's like when you look at a black person or even being light-skinned and mixed race, it's like they have a story to tell, you know? Whether you're, you're close to your black side or not, you still have a story. And, and people, can, people can see that story, like, you know, our history is on us, you know? We are the aftermath of slavery and all of that stuff we have the aftermath so people see us and they, they know that we have a story to tell you know i think being black is a, like it, i would never ever ever want to change being black because you know people i know there's a lot of people that want to be in our shoes absolutely you well know? <laughs> it's it's sad as well the things that we have to go through in society although we know that we're amazing and we're not the inferior race and you know people do everything to get hair and features like us and you know we should feel you know proud about that but at the same time, I would never change being black, whether they kill us, murder us, rape us. I love being black. I love it. I love it. And that's, and that's really nice to hear because I think now, you know, going through social media, some people are thinking, oh, to be black right now, it's, we're centered in just trauma. And that's all we are at the moment. And to hear such a positive way that you can describe being black, tells us that there's still hope for the everything that being black actually stands for. Because, you know, simply being black, if you were to ask me, I don't even really know what it means to be black, except the skin that I'm born in and the mindset that I have in some aspects, you know? And I wanted to ask you, you know, for your future, what do you have planned for your future? Because I, as I said, I, I know that you model, I know that you want to do um, black activism, which is great. But what do you what would you like to do for the future? For the future, I want to continue being able to educate people. I want to be able to be an example. I want to be able to be a role model. I want to be able to allow people to be happy and allow to inspire people to believe in their black power and to believe in their voice. One thing that I always say is believing in your voice. And, you know, I feel like for my future, I really want to be able to go into places like schools and talk about, being black because we don't have enough of that like you don't get you know the odd you know um people coming into you know schools in the uk just telling us how amazing it is to be a colored person like being black like it's for the future i just want to be able to i'm so sorry so sorry okay no no using using like i want to be an actor you know using that as well showing that the activism within my acting so and I, I just want to yeah, say I, quickly, I was just going to say quickly to anyone that even wants to ask you or myself a question they can go ahead so I'll leave that there but um so you want to go into schools and um what was it like growing up in Manchester actually that's a another question I really wanted to ask you because when I go to Manchester I'll be honest with you when you go outside the city center it's a little bit dead like you know I'm, <laughs> Maybe it's because I haven't grown up there. I grew up in London and I can go to Peckham, I can go to in, I can go to Brixton. Excuse I was going to say they're still black areas, like but they're being gentrified. But what is it like growing up in Manchester? You see, I'm still growing up in Manchester, you see. So I've not really had like that kind of like experience of Manchester, but I guess like with primary school, you know, um, I don't know. It, Manchester is, I would say it's a diverse it's a very diverse um, city, but there's still the odd, you know, you know, the ingrained kind of, you know, racism. Like, racism in the UK is ingrained, like, do you know what I mean? Um, growing up here, 
I don't know, like, it's just, it's just Manchester, like, it's boring. Yeah, I agree. Manchester <laughs> looks boring. Manchester doesn't look fun Manchester, I cannot wait to leave. I I'm not going to lie, but it's not a place where you'd come and you get racism thrown at your face. It's not a place like that. It's very welcoming. It's very diverse. You know, there's, you know, a lot of people say, yeah, if you went to Ireland or Scotland, you know, racism is like, oh, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, my friend, she's Irish. And when she used to live there, she's like, oh, the racism there is horrible. I don't think you'd ever come to Manchester and you'd be like, oh, the racism there is horrible. Like, you wouldn't get the racism in your face like that. I've never had it here anyway. But my story is boring. <laughs> There's people arguing that it's not boring. Um, it is boring. <laughs> I'm not sure if you can see it as the question, but someone asked, I think what they mean is, if you're white, can you still be an activist? Yeah, for sure. We need white activists. We need people. I mean, on a level where you can feel it, you've never been able. You've never be able to be an activist where you can talk about your experiences. But you can be an activist where you're teaching others. I I always say that we have an activist living within us. When it, whether it's about climate change, whether it's about sexism, whether it's about poverty, there is an activist living within us. There is something that you're passionate about or you want to speak about. Use your voice because I feel like um, racism isn't. You know, it's not exclusive like it's not one group of people you know it's something that we need to fight for everyone needs to fight for it use your voice always use your voice you know i mean i feel like the title of activist is kind of a bit you know been kind of like um dimmed down like it's kind of lost its meaning because it's like you can go on instagram and talk about something and automatically you're labeled as an activist i feel like an activist is a professional thing that's something that you need to take further something that you really need to take your time and educating yourself and really being into your book, something that you've, you know, you've taken years of planning, do you know what I mean? I would never say that I'm an activist on the level of Malcolm X, but I'm an activist in training. I'm still learning, I'm still educating myself, but make sure that you guys, if you want to be an activist, it's all about education. It's always about using your mind and using your voice, so, yeah. Okay, and I think they've asked another question, but I think you've technically answered it because they say, can you be an activist for everything at once? like fez feminism and poverty and drugs. But I think you've technically answered that. Of course you can. I don't think there's one thing. You see me, I would never speak on something that I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like if you want to be an active for something like poverty, you can't just be like, oh, there's so much hunger in the world. You need to have statistics. You need to have, you know, the, the um, kind of the knowledge and the research. You know, if you want to be an activist for something that you're really, really, really passionate about, you need to know every single, like, kind of in detail like i would never be like oh yeah i'm an activist for poverty there's so much world hunger and then move on you need to have like the kind of you know show the systematic side of poverty the kind of like society like the every single day poverty you need to kind of have that kind of knowledge but i wouldn't say that i'm you know an activist for everything like i wouldn't come on here and start talking about feminism because i don't know anything about it but i guess you can you know if you want to be no, for sure. And we have another question that says, so you're creative, and I'm going to assume this question's going towards you. It says, how do you think art can help the movement? And by the movement, I assume the black, black movement. Mm -hmm. Art like drawing? I, I suppose it could be art of every form, I suppose, because art, art's really, it's really wide, right? Oh, okay. So with my type of art, like drama is a type, like performing arts, like I'm working on a script from The Hate You Gave, and it's a script about, you know, her friend called Khalil that died due to police brutality. So I'm going to work on a script like that. So I guess that's my way of using my art and expressing myself at the same time because I'm using my acting skills to tell a story of what is going on now. In the sense of drawing, you can draw lots of different things. There's so many drawings that I've seen on, you know, you can draw like George Floyd, seen drawings of that. I think with music as well, you know, singing, singing songs that, you know, are black injustice or singing i don't know any song like that but yeah songs dancing as well you know dancing you can i do believe you can really use your arts to express yourself definitely definitely, definitely. and i think i guess my answer to that is there's not one route to resistance is there there's many different mm -hmm. ways that you yeah, can fight yeah. Yeah, like a lot of people express their ways in completely different ways. Like just because they're not posting, it doesn't mean that they're necessarily not doing anything. You know, people take situations in a different way. You know, you know, you might want like to draw when you get you know frustrated and sad, and you know that's your way of expressing yourself. And um, we actually got a question in the question box. I think people figured out now. Put it in the question box; it makes it easier. 
And the question is, do you know about white saviour complex? I see. Ooh, don't even get me started. I... Listen, I'm, actually... I'm trying to get you started, so go off. <laughs> I was on live um, a, few, a few weeks ago and someone said that... Um, we need uh, we need white people to help us we need white people to fight for us we need we need we need we need we don't need white people we don't need white people we can utilize them if that makes sense we don't need white people to fight the black power movement we can do it in ourselves we don't need a white savior to constantly be there to do something for us you know we can take this battle by ourselves it's our battle anyway you know, I watched um, a documentary one time and it was um, about movies. I mean, black black people in movies during like the, the early 90s and how, and then earlier on, how every time there was a movie, um, there always had to be a white person saving the black man or the black woman inside the movie. And I found that really, really interesting. And I kind of looked at it on like our everyday kind of way. Like, why do we um, need white people to come and save off our backs when something's going on? We don't. We really don't. So, well, you, not, so hmm? you believe that we can do for ourselves and that we can utilize the leverage that I suppose the white privilege that yeah. um, white people have and that they benefit from. Yeah. Um, and somewhat, again, Tupac, I know you talk a lot about Tupac and what does Tupac, I suppose, what does he mean to you personally? Because as I said, I see you post him up all the time. And it's I, like you read my DMs or something because someone asked. I had a conversation about someone like about this today. I don't know if they're watching my life, but um, great minds think alike. It's weird. Like okay, Tupac to me. Okay, we're gonna get a bit off topic, but Tupac to me is the most real ass N I G G A ever that has ever existed. It's like he doesn't say things and sugarcoat it. Tupac makes you think and really think about the world. The reason why I think and the reason why I talk the way I do is because of Tupac. Like, he has influenced the world and me as an individual in such a special way that I don't think I could ever get that out of any artist or anyone in our generation today. Like, that's why he's so immortalized, like, with mm. everything. Like, people look at Tupac and just think, wow, you really said that. Like, no sense whatsoever. And he's putting his career on the line because some of the things he said, the white man could have said, no, no, we're not playing your music anymore. And we're not listening to it anymore. Tupac is like a, a prophet, a teacher, and he's so relevant in our generation today. And I just think he's a bit underappreciated because I think when you listen to Tupac, you really need to have an open mind. I don't think you can um, actually grasp and understand the things that he says without having, you know, without being woke, you know what I mean? Like, you can't really listen to Tupac and not be woke. I don't think, you know what I mean? You can't be all about, oh, yeah, Megan Thee Stallion, and then try and, you know, listen to Tupac. I don't think that really works, but that's my opinion. Anyway, Tupac is just a real, like, a real person. He's a real individual. He's amazing. He's amazing. Because I don't really know too much about Tupac myself. Yeah, I sure, can't lie to just... like, like, I can't lie to you. I don't know whether I'm a big fan of him either, you know? But maybe no. that's my taste in it's music. Because, yeah, it's because the way he says stuff, like, I don't give a, like, you know what I mean? He was, yeah. you know, he was very, you know, he, he wasn't like a Malcolm X, like, oh, we need to unite. He was like, excuse me, excuse me, I'm angry because they got us, you know, war on drugs, etc. He He rapped about things that made so much sense and so relevant today, today, like, so we know like you're a really big fan of Tupac and do I'm you... not a fan, I, I am his child. Okay. Alright, so all right, so 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 for the sake of it, I'm gonna say you're Tupac's child. I wanna <laughs> ask you, do you think that obviously Tupac's his own person in his own right, he fought for the cause, you know, you're greatly inspired by him, and a lot of the people on the live here are saying that they're inspired by him. Do we even have close to a modern day Tupac today? And do you think we ever could even? No, no. And the reason why I say that is because Tupac experienced what he said. He has interviews where he was in prison. Tupac experienced everything that Tupac raps about from when his mom was a crack fiend and his mom was a part of the Black Panther and his mom, um, he got kicked out of his mom. Everything that Tupac says, the song Dear Mama is real. Like Tupac, Oh my gosh, like, we will never have a Tupac because there's no artist that, you know, has, no, like, we just never will. And his style 
dressed, the way he spoke, the way he looked, he's too iconic. He's way too iconic. And because our generation's artists and rappers, they all kind of have like the same thing kind of going on. They use the same kind of beats. And I just don't think that their music is as, you know, um, authentic and real. I don't really listen to music from our generation anyway. So I wouldn't really know, but I definitely don't know. I don't think so. No, no. So, be so because you put Tupac on such a high pedestal, um, and you, you know, I'm going to go again, you are his child, you are Tupac's child. Mm -hmm. Who do you listen to that keeps giving you the strength that you need to continue being an activist and to continue being who you are? Because there might be people that you listen to that people watching now don't listen to. So if there's any suggestions. Like music or like... Yeah, mu music, videos. Yeah, Mark Anybody. Malcolm X. That's, that's... I don't even go too far. I just watch Malcolm X because he just... Malcolm, Malcolm X, that's the interviews that I just watched. Malcolm X and Sister Soldier, she, she's not really, like, known. Like, I don't think a lot of people know Sister Soldier, but she was, like, said it how it is. Like, she said that, you know, um, she made a song about slavery being back in um, action. She is a mate. She's an amazing rapper. I love Sister Soldier. Um, I also listen to... I don't know who I listen to. I don't really listen. Tupac is probably like the only artist that really gets me to think, like to really think, because I don't think any artist was really like him. I don't what think any artist was like him. Someone put a good comment, and I was about to ask you this. What oh, yeah, about... Kendrick. Yeah. Yeah, like what about Kendrick? What yeah, about yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, you can't see as Tupac. Sorry. Have you listened to KRS One? No. KRS One is another really good artist, and he was one of the pioneers of. Um, hip-hop he's someone i'll definitely recommend and he gives a lot of really good lectures um he's the one that um, made the song oh, i can't remember the name of the song i'll send it to you after and i'll okay. put it on my story for people to listen to but he made really good music and so you said malcolm x is someone that you watch so malcolm let me, let me just talk about kendrick lamar for one minute go right? ahead go ahead talk kendrick, about kendrick. kendrick you see the thing about kendrick who did he who's he inspired by who are people like jay cole inspired by yeah Tupac. We have to go to the roots of who, why they say the things that they do. It's Tupac. You want the real shit? You go to Tupac. You know, I'm not saying Kendrick Lamar's bad, but the reason why he does what he does, he said it himself, is Tupac. Everyone always goes back to Tupac. So what's the point of not wasting your time listening to these when you can really just go straight to the... The, the source. Exactly. So yeah, you can essentially go to the source. And I, I quite like Kendrick, I think. I think it's Kendrick's music is quite symbolic. Maybe I need to listen to a little bit more of Tupac to appreciate him because I don't Charles think I've really... Bambino also, he's really... Charles Bambino. Okay, yeah, no, I quite like his music as well. I was going to ask you, um, Malcolm X or Martin Luther King? Yeah. What do you think? Well, you're going to say Malcolm X, but yeah, exactly. I want to know your reasons behind why Malcolm X over Martin Luther King. I said it how it is. See, I'm just in love with people who say it how it is. He, how can you live in a time of segregation, Malcolm X, and you're, t and you're having interviews with the white man, and you're saying how it is? I would be so scared. He didn't even water it down. Like, he was in an interview with four white men at a table. They asked him, okay, so what's your surname? What, what, what's your name before? Yeah. And he said... That's the slave, man. He said, if, if you saw a yellow man, you know, a Chinese man, with the surname with Murphy, you're going to look at him like he's crazy. So why am I having the surname of an Irish man when I'm not even from Ireland? I'm from Africa. I'm sorry, but if I was at a table around four, like, they could have easily killed him. I'm, like, is that not scary to you? Like, this man is literally going up against these prepared, like, warriors and saying all these things, and he's not scared what and then you just have like you know Martin Luther King no disrespect but you know yeah we I have a dream you know that's why we get so taught taught about him so much because our history is so whitewashed in the UK they want you to oh yeah if someone slaps you you turn the other cheek excuse me do you know what's really interesting about Martin Luther King's speech if people listen to Martin Luther King's speech properly the man actually technically believed in defending yourself but no one ever talks about that because no exactly. one reads it. Because you know why? Our history is whitewashed. Absolutely. In our schools, they want us to believe that we have this figure and he got he can just get tossed about. No. No. 
And, you know, I think I do need to look into Martin Luther King. I kind of like disregarding because, you know, he was whitewashed at school. So it's kind of like, what's the point? You know, that's why Malcolm X has never, ever spoken about in school because he said it how it is and they don't want us to hear it how it is. They don't want us to hear the truth. So they hide behind the truth and teach us about, I have a dream and holding hands and we all go to the same school as each other because that is the present right now. We all go to school with black and white people, but we go to school with black and white people. That doesn't mean that this racism is just erased. Do you know what I mean? Just Absolutely. Because diversity doesn't mean that everything's okay. And that's how they want us to think in schools. They want us to think everything's okay. And tell me what, when I go to a school called St. Saint Peter's, I'm actually finished high school, I'm going to college now, but some of the things that they did, if I went there, if I went back there, it would get called out straight away because it's, it's just, you know, I think high schools really do need to do better. They do need to do better because my school hasn't said anything about the Black Lives Matter movement and they have a Twitter page, but then you're talking about diversity and that's one of our key um, themes in our school and it just doesn't make sense. No, absolutely. And I think um, we've been at it for nearly an hour. Okay. We have like a minute left and I think obviously for us to um, come on again and have like a part two because i want all my guests to come on and have a part two because you know people grow people evolve people yeah. have different views and so on and so on so i want to leave the last minute for you to promote yourself talk about what you believe talk about what you stand by and what is your advice to everyone watching and that will be watching later on so my you know, key point to everyone is make sure that you keep yourself educated, making sure that you're not only just posting things and seeing um, posts and just reposting and reposting, it's really getting into your books, bringing out your notepad, bringing out your laptop, doing your own kind of personal research so that it's kind of like it stays with you because when you look at something that you've done by yourself, it sticks with you and it, it genuinely does. Like, that's what I do. Like, every every single thing that I say and every all the information that I get is from my own personal research. And another thing is, is to use your voice i can't stress this enough and a lot of people always dm me like oh you inspire me so much and honestly i am i'm i'm, I'm so humble and i'm so grateful because i think that we can genuinely make a change if our generation stands up if our generation can speak out no matter what you look like you might not have seventeen thousand followers you might have 500 you might have 10 but at the end of the day Unfortunately, guys, it accidentally cut off because we went over the hour, but we're going to hopefully finish if she's tapped back in. Let me just double check. I'll agree. You got to send back a live request to jump back in the video. Right. Let me do this now. So sorry about that. It cut out. As you were saying, I'll let you finish what you were saying. So, yeah, just using your voice is very important because you don't know who's watching you and you don't know who's being inspired by you. Like, it doesn't matter what your age is. It doesn't matter what you look like because... You know, with the thing of, you know, people see me as like, oh, she's so pretty. So, of course, she can say that. Or she look at her like, wow, wow, wow. It doesn't matter what you look like. As long as you've got the knowledge and you know how to speak and you know your way of words, you can do anything. So, that's my, you know, main message is make sure you're educated and make sure you're using your voice. No, honestly. And I think a lot of people are going to agree and say it was a very empowering and uplifting conversation. I want to say again, thank you for making yourself accessible enough to even have a conversation with because not many people do. And um, to everyone that's watched and to the people that you know and that I know, um, we've both agreed to do a part two at some point. So I just want to say thank you once again. And I think no, I speak you. for a lot of people that they really appreciate having have appreciated having the conversation that we've been able to have. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, definitely. I'm gonna post that up on my page. I'm just thankful for the experience that you've been able to give me. No problem. I hope, no problem. And I hope you've taken a lot away as well. But we'll be in contact nonetheless. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So definitely have a great night. You too. You too. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye.
Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. The late bloomers tend to have more curiosity. They tend to have more resilience. There are stories and mythology that this country has woven around black men. What if everything we've been taught is just all wrong? What's worth more than this fear right now? And that rising after failure is part of the glory of being a human being. Listen to deeply personal, insightful, and thought-provoking stories from the world's leading thinkers and doers. Listen and subscribe to The Unmistakable Creative wherever you get your podcasts. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I hope you've enjoyed this episode, and I look forward to having you again. If you've enjoyed, share, subscribe, follow, And make sure everybody gets to have the blessing that is conversations. And remember, Flower Hour is the podcast where conversations blossom.